Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Dietitian Faraz, a registered dietitian who has a sincere passion for bowls of fruit that include bananas, teaching and helping future dietitians be successful taking the RD exam, especially with his podcast, Chomping Down the RD Exam. Please enjoy my conversation with Faraz. So a fangirl, I'm, I selfishly wanted to have you on my podcast and I love how we intersected. Um, it was like divine intervention, how I got connected to you, uh, through just a conversation I was having with, um, someone that was struggling with the dietetic exam. Mm -hmm. And I had seen your podcast just for like a hot minute on Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that this person needs to talk to. And Ever since then, I've been listening to your podcast and I just, I wanted to get to know more about you, um, what you're doing professionally, and then how you came to this decision to help out dietetic students studying for the exam. So selfishly, this is for me too. <laughs> I wanted to get to know you, but um, why don't you share with me uh, kind of how you got interested in nutrition and dietetics, kind of take me back to where this all started for you. Sure. Uh, first of all, again, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, mm -hmm. if we're talking about fanning out, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> I love what you're doing for the profession, giving voice to dietitians. You're amazing. And uh -huh. uh, I've been looking forward to this for such a while. You know, is this, I, I have a huge smile on my face right now. Me too. So, for the yeah. same. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, um, the how I got into nutrition and dietetics. That's a good question. You know, to be honest, if I have to think back on it, I think my interest in nutrition could be traced really early, like all the way back to kindergarten. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I remember before having to go to school, I was a super happy dude. You know, I just being home watching The Simpsons or The Mighty Ducks. That was my favorite oh movie. My God, I love Mighty Ducks. <laughs> it's so good, right? It's Great so movie. awesome. Yeah. I mean, just since we're on The Mighty Ducks, I remember getting this Happy Meal toy where it was a Mighty Ducks hockey puck. And, and it was one of my prized possessions. I kept that thing <laughs> for years. And uh, yeah. And also, you know, the main guy's name was Gordon Bombay. And I'm South Asian, so it was really cool, like Indian representation, because his last name is Bombay, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, totally, totally connected. Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> so you take what you can get. So, uh, but yeah, I was I was just a super happy kid, and I was happy watching that stuff, eating chicken nuggets. Life was awesome. Mm -hmm. But then the first day of kindergarten, it hit me hard, and I, I felt bereft of comfort. You know. Like, I didn't know anybody. My schedule was all messed up. I was just uncomfortable. And I remember I was not having a good time. And then playtime came. And I remember seeing this fake kitchen, you know, like a toy kitchen in there. Mm -hmm. And there was a counter and there was a bowl of fake fruit on it. And it just caught my eye. I was like transfixed. 
You know, I mean, we had a bowl of real fruit at home, so it was just really reassuring and nice to see this one here, even though it's fake. And I noticed it had an apple, uh, an orange, grapes. It had a bunch of fruits in there, but there was no banana. And that really bothered me. You know, the bowl mm -hmm. felt incomplete to me. So I remember, wow, this is bringing back a lot of memories. Uh, I went to the teacher and I was like, hey, Miss Teacher Lady, uh, why isn't there... <laughs> why isn't there a banana in this bowl of fruits? And she just looked at me and like, why is that of any concern to you, especially on the first day? Like, that's how I felt, you know? So she said, well, it's just not there. And that was it. And I felt slighted. You know, I felt disillusioned, like this can't simply be, I can't take this for an answer, you know, and it bothered me all day. And uh, I remember the next morning, there were real bananas on our home kitchen counter and I took one and I put it under my Ninja Turtle sweater and I, <laughs> I smuggled it into the kindergarten and oh my gosh, I was so anxious that whole morning, just waiting for my opportunity to strike you know, and um, finally it became playtime and I went to make my move and I started walking slowly but surely to that bowl of fake fruit. And in my mind, I was successful in slipping the banana into the bowl. Very slick, you know, like with that James Bond energy. <laughs> I I even had the music going on like, you know, Donna, Your Donna. Head. yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> so I did it. I slipped it in there and then I just kept walking like all the way to the other side of the room after dropping the banana off. And oh, I felt amazing, you know, from a distance, I'm looking at my masterpiece, admiring it. And then the teacher stands next to me and she's like, so did you notice there's a banana in the bowl now? And, you know, I was a little nervous there. So I said, no, I, I didn't notice. But I couldn't help myself. So I said, but it does look complete now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And her whole energy shifted. And she was like, if that banana is not removed from the bowl by the playtime is done, I'm sending you to the principal. And I was super offended. Like this lady doesn't respect my banana at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that seems a little harsh for bringing a banana to complete the fruit bowl. Right? I mean, come on. What do you lose from just keeping the banana in there? You know what nothing. I mean? And it's nothing. <laughs> and I was feeling rebellious, but I was also thinking at the time, you know, I don't really want to go see the principal. So I slowly went to the bowl and I took the banana out. And um, when I think back on that now, I think that event really shaped the trajectory of my life moving forward because it taught me that something about food and nutrition gives me a sense of completeness, you know, and um, I'm passionate enough about it to consider smuggling in a banana into kindergarten. <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty bold move on your yeah. first, second day of second school. Second day. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I just went so for it. It's so interesting that you just did not see that bowl of fruit being complete because it yeah. wasn't what you were used to at home. No, that's a perfect thing to mention because I think that bowl of fake fruit reminded me of home and it gave me a sense of comfort because, you know, I was in an uncomfortable place and 
most of our lives, aren't we always looking for comfort? Aren't we always looking for home? And I found it in food, you know? Mm -hmm. So the idea was that, okay, there's something with this food nutrition stuff. But I also remember having the idea that, hey, if I was a teacher, I would totally do things different. I, as soon as she said no banana, I thought, okay, there needs to be some systemic changes put into motion here. No that, kidding, especially in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. There, there's no incentive for not including it in there. So that really started me on this path of food, nutrition, and education. And, um, you know, now that I think back on it, I think the next big pivotal moment that got me thinking about it was when I went to college. I was a psychology major and, you know, I was a teacher's assistant and I would love holding study sessions for students and giving lectures on topics. But my final year, I had to do a thesis. And this one topic caught my eye, which was the idea that you can control food cravings with Tetris. And what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, the game? Yeah, the game. It blew my mind. So the idea was this. Basically, there's something called the elaborated intrusion theory of desire. And what it says is that our cravings of food is based in large part on our mental imagery. And when we have a food craving, you know, we imagine it with sensory attributes like, you know, sight, smell. Sometimes we can move the food in our minds into our mouths. We can imagine eating it, you know. Mm -hmm. And this takes place in something called the visuospatial sketchpad in our brains. But these same attributes are used when we're playing a video game like Tetris, which requires the arrangement of super fast moving, colorful shapes, right? So the idea is that if we are craving something and we decided to play Tetris at the same time, the intensity of a craving would uh, decrease because we have limited capacity with regards to our sensory attributes and space in our visuospatial sketchpads. So our attention would shift to Tetris because it's the more cognitively demanding task, right? I mean, it's so cognitively demanding that sometimes people dream of Tetris, you know, uh, yeah. uh, arranging the blocks and stuff. Totally. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. You huh. know, it, yeah. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, here is food nutrition stuff again. There's something to this here. So then I just went down a rabbit hole and I, I started looking more into food and nutrition and research. And I just got so interested in it. At the same time, my father started feeling unwell. And he mentioned that, you know, he wished that he ate better when he was younger. And, you know, then he passed away. So, Aww. yeah, my newfound interest in nutrition with the stuff that I was studying and then my father's words really propelled me into pursuing a career in nutrition. And that's where I, when I, really when I started pursuing the field. Well, that's all very, in, I mean, everything that you mentioned is so impactful and formative years in your life, you know, as a young kid, as like when you're trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up and then having such a personal connection with your father, like those are things that you have to listen to that tug, right? Because that's, it's really telling you something. Yeah. And I think life has a way of doing that. I think life has a way of sort of pointing you into a trajectory that if you're sort of cognizant of it, then you'll catch on. 
And sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. But I think eventually we find that sort of destiny aspect. And I really do think it was in my destiny to pursue nutrition. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, I mean, it's such an interesting background. I never would have guessed any of that. So <laughs> that's so, it's so awesome that you shared all that. Yeah. Um, you know, but to also account for the fact that even though I think I was destined to be a nutrition, I never knew you could have a job in nutrition. Okay. Cause mm. I knew about being a chef, you know, but I didn't know that you could be a, a, a dietitian. And when I, think back to uh, when I was considering it, you know, when I was researching into my master's, like, where do I want to go? And I was considering being a dietitian. I remember someone asked me, uh, hey, what are you in school for? And I said, oh, I'm going to be a dietitian. And they thought I said mortician. Oh, <laughs> a little different. <laughs> a little different, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I realized then, okay, maybe this isn't a field that's as widely known. And uh, that actually in, uh, increased my interest even more because then I was like, OK, this is something that's uniquely special and, and you know, it's fairly new. Got to look into it more. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, it kept me going. And uh, eventually, you know, I went through the whole process that we all do. Uh, I went to a coordinated dietetics program, uh, finished the master's, did the twelve hundred hours and then came time for the RD exam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that darn exam that darn exam man it's it sure deserves that word darn <laughs> how long did you study for your exam I'm always, I should ask that question more because I don't feel like I studied long enough but how long did you study so I studied once I got my internship and I graduated I believe I studied for six weeks okay that six weeks feel better that's kind of what I did <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I just remember thinking that, you know, when I was going through my internship and stuff, one of the things that really helped that I still recommend to students is I took the exam, you know, material that's in a study guide. I would highlight those things that are relevant to whatever internship site I'm at. So, yeah. And then I would go, you know, to the hospital or um, the, whichever internship site it is. And I would ask whoever is supervising me, hey, can I see this thing? Can I see that thing? Because I read about it in my study guide and I just want to visualize the concept. And I think that's something that is, is really helpful because, you know, the words are one thing. But when you see it in motion and you see these concepts in a three dimensional space, that's what really helps it stick. You know, I wish I though, because now I wish I would have did that because that you're so right. I mean, I feel like that's how I would learn better if I knew like this is something I need to study and then show me it. So then I understand it. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely helps, you know, and um, I, I definitely think it, it helped me for sure. And now that I think now I'm thinking back to my actual RD exam experience. You know, and uh, that's something that connects literally every dietitian, right? Every dietitian has an exam story. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> that's another whole us. podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I could tell you mine if, if you'd like. I would love to hear yours. Okay. So basically the day of the exam, <laughs> I get to this, the testing center and 
I can't find parking because it's Los Angeles. So I end up getting, (laughs) I end up getting parking a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a bummer. And at this point, now I have to run to the exam site. Not late. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was late. Not a good state of mind going into the exam, you know? And um, I get there, they pat me down, and uh, I actually wear a chain on my neck that my dad had since the 70s. And yeah, I hadn't taken it off since he passed, but they asked me to remove the chain. Oh, no, they didn't. They did. And why would they ask you to take that off? I, I think it was just one of those screening things or, you know. Honestly, it was a big That's bummer. Weird. Yeah, yeah, that is a big bummer. Yeah, it was. And I just felt so, again, incomplete. And, you know, it didn't feel good. So I got two things going against me here, you know, kind of rushing into it. And then, you know, not having that sort of comfort chain that I always have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I sit down and then the exam starts. And, you know, I start feeling a range of emotions like confident, nervous, worried, annoyed, you know, (laughs) and each emotion changed with each question presented. So it was a very temperamental thing. And it was just every question had its own emotion attached to it. And the thing that I wish I didn't have in my head when I was taking the exam was that I had heard the rumors that, you know, when you get to question 125, the exam shuts off and that mm-hmm. means you passed, right? Have you heard this too? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but if it keeps going after 125, then the exam is trying to figure out on each and every question whether you're going to pass or not. So it's life or death. And <laughs> <laughs> you're right. No, that's what they, that's what I've heard too. Yeah. And that is an insane thing to keep in mind because I got to question 125 and it kept going. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Then you're like are having a meltdown. <laughs> oh, it was 126, 127, oh. 120. I felt like my heart would step two feet away from my body with every question. And it would just look back on me and be like, yeah, good luck. You know? You're going to fail. <laughs> yeah. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Yeah. I get to 143 and I answer the question and then the screen goes blank. And like out it, of nowhere, it's like bananas how it just goes like it's like you lose power or something. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's blank. And it's also, I heard computer bowel sounds is the best way I could put it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I know it's thinking and I'm like, what is it thinking? You know? And uh, then that survey pops up. And uh, at that point, my heart's just like, okay, I can't take this anymore. You're on your own. (laughs) And uh, then, you know, you fill out the survey and that's really the last thing you want to be doing at that point. And -hmm. then the screen goes blank again bowel sounds again and you're just waiting there you know honestly it reminded me of a video game when it's a blank screen and you reach the end but i was hoping it wouldn't be like super mario where when you reach the end of the level it says sorry our princess is in another castle (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a very good comparison. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was hoping that it didn't say, oh, your license is in another facility. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, oh my uh, gosh. But obviously, I, you passed. Well, yeah, well, what happened was uh, the screen's still blank, and then this, this shining light comes out of the screen, <laughs> and I instinctively cover my eyes and both hands on the eyes and I lift one finger off my eyes and the first thing I see is the number two and I was like two two could mean anything I need a 25 to pass what does this two mean and my brain was going crazy so then I lift another finger and I see congrats and I'm like oh it is more than 25 <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and then I take the hands off completely and I found out I passed it was just an unforgettable moment of my life and then the person that took my chain gave it back to me as if it's like a reward for me passing you're like <laughs> you know? you're lucky i passed buddy because if i wouldn't have passed i would have blamed it on you for taking my chain <laughs> oh totally totally that would have been a letter no doubt <laughs> so yeah it was an insane time and uh since it was a uh, you know congratulations time it was steak night and uh had a great nice. Had a great ribeye with some potatoes and uh, I was off to my career, you know? That's awesome. Did you, yeah. you know what the one thing that I was, when I took the test too, which I took it way before you did, but I was, I was sitting in a testing center and I wanted to like celebrate and never like the people around me, they don't understand what the hell I'm doing. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> and then you walk out and you're like, I'm all by myself. This is a great thing. This sucks. <laughs> I wanted someone to like hug me when I came out of the testing center. And I was like, well, this is kind of a letdown. But you had to walk a whole mile back to your car. Yeah. <laughs> to walk God. a whole mile. And it's, I've never walked a happier mile in my life. I bet. I bet it was like. It was like singing in the rain, like skipping and like, Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. Exciting. I, I, I would have totally skipped if I wasn't exhausted. <laughs> yeah. You had that's the thing. Like you're so mentally wore out and physically, because I feel like the stress just takes everything out of your body too. It's crazy. It's a it's a really distinctive experience that mm -hmm. I think sticks with all of us dietitians, no matter what happens. That's uh, so true. We may not remember the concepts all the time, you know, because as we move further away, but we remember that damn experience for sure. <laughs> for sure. So when you got done after you had steak dinner and you said you went off to your career, what did, what was the next steps for you after you walked a mile to your car? <laughs> uh, so yeah, what happened after that was I was working at a huge inpatient hospital. And uh, at the same time, I got offered to teach in the nutrition department of my alma mater. Ooh. And yeah, hey. yeah, it was very cool. So, you know, at one point, the the commute going between the the hospital and the, the university became way too long. And I was just loving teaching. And I was just enjoying that process so much that I decided to pursue it full time. And uh, yeah, I still am teaching and I really just love seeing that, you know, imaginary light bulb <laughs> flash on top of students' mm -hmm. head when I'm lecturing. It's just such a pure form of joy and gratification, you know. And uh, what happened was as I was teaching students, they would ask me about concepts covered on the RD exam. You know, uh, because they would start preparing or they would be going to their internship and they would ask questions. 
And they mentioned that, you know, when they're studying concepts, my voice pops into their head. And that made an impression That's on a compliment. me. Yeah. 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 It was, it was very flattering. And, and I was very thankful to hear that. And thinking back when I was a student, I had super long drives for my internship sites. And, you know, I thought, wow, it would have really helped if I got, you know, pearls of knowledge and being able to practice while commuting. So when COVID happened, I felt, you know, I had an obligation to create a free resource for students to study for their exams because not only does COVID bring uncertain times, but the process of becoming a dietitian, it's so expensive and so stressful. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever been busier in my life right now, but I just couldn't deny that voice inside me telling to do something. And, you know, I figure that life is too short to not do something you're not passionate about. So, yeah, that's basically what ha that's the genesis of this uh, <laughs> podcast is that it really came from teaching and interacting with students and them voicing the idea that, hey, you know, uh, this would be helpful and uh, maybe you should consider it. So when you think about like teaching, you know, obviously you're teaching in your podcast, but what when it comes to teaching students, I mean, I'm assuming you're teaching all kind of nutrition classes because you have to know a lot of stuff to be able to do a podcast on the RD exam, right? Because there's so many things you need to know. So I'm assuming you know a lot of things. <laughs> well, it, yeah, the, the contents of the exam are super comprehensive to the point where certain things on there are just like, why do I need to know this? You know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. why would I need to know what a foot candle is? You know, a, a sure. foot candle or there's just certain things on there. It's like, you know, no matter which dietitian I talk to, they always remember, you know, how much propofol is or, or, uh, you know, the fact that they were listening to Gene Inman, <laughs> you know, Seriously. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the content is extremely expansive, but you know, I, I enjoy being able to take the material and break it down and, uh, being able to have that flexibility going from topic to topic. Well, and you had mentioned too, when we are kind of talking via email about how the test has changed since, was it, did you say 2017? Yeah. And so maybe kind of explain that because, you know, I'm an, I'm an older dietitian. I took the test in 2001, so it's okay. been a while, okay. um, but kind of thinking about how it's changed and why that's important to you and important for students to know that it's changed and that it's different taking the test. Sure. So basically what happened is there was a revision in 2017. And with that revision, the percentages of the four domains shifted. So what in essence that does is it creates emphasis on certain topics more than others. And in previous times, you know, for example, domain four is food service. You wouldn't have as much of the exam you know, covering that. Right. But then now both three and four are covered more. So little shifts like that make a difference in how you go about studying for the exam, because sometimes, you know, students can feel that, okay, if I just study MNT, because that's technically the biggest chunk domain two, mm -hmm. then, you know, I should be good. But 
you really need to have a, a, a whole rounded approach to studying for the exam. And that's the culmination of this 2017 revision. Now, uh, the exam is set to be revised again next year at the end of next year. So, oh. it, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what changes are made. But, you know, I've, I've been teaching for a while now and I've talked to students who took the exam before the revision and after the revision. And it's it's a different ball game out there, you know. Really? And yeah. And I think it comes down to the questions specifically because the questions are very situational and they really test your conceptual skills, you know, and your your critical thinking skills, things of that nature. So memorization doesn't cut it, you know, and uh, that's that's one of the things that I always recommend to students is that, hey, don't rely on memorizing. Sometimes you need to for certain things, but, you know, conceptualizing the concepts and really being able to trace back the roots of whatever the question is asking is really what's going to help you uh, not only pass the exam, but when you go on to, you know, become a clinical dietitian or become a food service dietitian, wherever you want to go, you know, at this point, our field is very much changing. And, you know, I think at one point, students always wanted that shiny white lab coat. Yeah. And they always, they always wanted to be a clinical RD. And what's happening now is, yeah, there's still some of that. But a lot of students, you know, they want to get big on Instagram and, and you know, go into private practice and have be sponsored by random kombucha companies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, who wouldn't? So uh, our, our, the times are changing, you know, and uh, I think it's the exam changing is a big part of that as well. So how does the way you kind of teach um, these concepts different than like, the gene review or any other kind of, uh, re, you know, dietetic prep type programs. Like you said, you need to understand the concepts. And I don't feel like maybe those reviews kind of give you as much of the conceptual thing that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I really try to do is I try to break down these concepts to really the bare bones of it because I feel that when you have a question, uh, if you're able to trace back to the etiology and what really led to that particular piece of content being written the way it is, then you'll have a better grasp of the material. So uh, let's do an example. Okay. So when you look at the concept of FIFO and LIFO, right? Um, that was just in your recent post, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah. Because I had gotten a lot of uh, student requests and emails about it saying, hey, this concept is kind of confusing. They, you know, they realized that, yeah, FIFO means first in, first out. LIFO means last in, first out. But then what comes after that? Right. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is first I use the idea that in order to really grasp this material, you have to make it your own and you have to kind of contextualize it before you conceptualize it. So by contextualizing it, you can look at little pieces of information attached to the concepts and make them your own. So for example, with LIFO and FIFO, when I hear those terms, the first thing I think of are that they're names for dogs, right? I mean, they <laughs> sound, 
<laughs> they totally oh. sound <laughs> like names for dogs. Uh, hey, sit, Fipo, sit. Good boy, Lipo. You know, you could totally imagine that. I hope and, you have a pet someday and you name him that. That would be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I do have a dog. Uh, her name is Mooney. But um, yeah, if we if we get another one for sure, you add to the family. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's one thing, and that kind of breaks the ice. You know, finding something silly about the content, I always feel helps because it kind of makes it less, uh, you know, intimidating. You know, because if yeah. you're looking at all the concepts that are involved in the RD exam, it's a lot of material, and you got to poke fun at it because that's the way that it's going to become more individualized to you and you'll be able to kind of break it down. So once we establish something like that, then we go into the actual topics. So in the interest of time, we'll just stick with LIFO. Okay. So LIFO is last in first out. Now I actually dislike that last is used because it could sound like we're referring to old inventory. And uh, so I prefer saying latest in first out. And what this means with specific regards to inventory items is the items that you purchased first are the items that you will sell last. In other words, you're always trying to sell your newest inventory before trying to sell your oldest inventory. And your newest inventory comes out of inventory first. How? So let's say you get some new inventory, right? And you're using this LIFO method you're putting that new inventory in front of the existing inventory on the shelves, not in the back, as you do in FIFO. By doing this, customers will see the new inventory in front, and the assumption is that they will pick that inventory up and buy it. Now, the next thing that comes to mind that's different than if you just see it on a study guide is why on earth would anyone even use LIFO, right? Why would you want your inventory placed like that? Well, if you're selling a homogenous product like bricks, it really doesn't matter which brick the customer purchases because those bricks are not going to expire, right? What do you care if a customer buys an old brick or a new brick? It's a brick. You know, it's going to stay a brick. It doesn't have aspirations to become a dentist. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's not going to be called Dr. Brick. So, I mean, could you imagine if bricks expired? You know, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be bad. Yeah. The thing about the yellow brick road, they would never find their way home. It wouldn't. It'd always be in progress. <laughs> it would just be, we would have had at least 16 movies by now. And Dorothy's still <laughs> trying to figure and out. We still would be watching them. <laughs> still, still watching Wait. them for sure. Poor, poor Dorothy. She'd just never get back, you know? So, there we go. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so bricks are important, and uh, they're also an example of when you would use LIFO when you're selling products that don't depend on expiration. And, you know, just that whole rationalizing that we just did right now is pretty much what I like to do with concepts and studying for the RD exam, really get into the nitty gritty of the concepts, try to make it personalized and make it so that it's digestible. And we uncovered the roots as to why uh, an outline is saying, okay, last in, first out. We want to go into why that is. And that's ultimately what's going to help. That's amazing. That's so really, I mean, that makes it so relatable for the student to apply it and absorb it and retain it. All those important things. 
Yeah, I, I think, and it also kind of makes it a little more fun. You know, it takes the the boringness. It needs to be more fun. <laughs> it totally needs to be more fun. It could be so boring studying for studying for that exam. And, uh, you know, the more fun stuff you can add, the better. You know, uh, another thing is the idea that the more personalized you can make it, the better. So if you have a personal memory attached to these concepts, utilize it, you know, because that's something that it's a personal memory. So you'll obviously remember it. And if you couple it with a concept, it'll stick better. How do you um, talk to students? about what is like the pass fail rate of it of taking the exam you know is it pretty common for people to fail the first time or take it a few times what is your experience with that so in my experience what's happened is that there have been several students who have failed it multiple times and it's not a measure of anything on their part i truly believe i think all these students are smart and and amazing and they should be really applauded for their motivation and grit to continue to take the exam and i think after the 2017 revision the exam has gotten way harder and it just comes down to the way that you study and the the materials that you're using to break down and really keeping in mind that Ultimately, memorizing is not what you should be doing. You should be conceptualizing. And yeah, I've, I've, I've met several students who have struggled with the exam, but you know what? They do all pass. And that's the main thing. It's, it's a number. It's a 25 or up and you'll get there. You just stick with it, you know? That's a good message because I feel that there are, you know, I had someone that I connected with over social media and I think she, I think she ended up failing it almost three or four times, but she, she did pass and she stuck with it. Like you said, like sticking with it is so important because it's not a measure of how smart you are. You would have never graduated from college if you weren't smart or if you weren't amazing. Right. So Absolutely don't, not. don't and let a test dictate how you feel about your, your, your brains, your abilities. No, it's, it's a goofy exam, you know, that has goofy stuff on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that you got to remind yourself, speaking to your point and that you got multiple years of education and training in dietetics and you're smart, you're resilient. You're already an honorary dietitian. You just got to get registered now. So that's all it is. So, you know, just handle your business. You'll be fine. You know, and there's positive people like you that are helping individuals that maybe need that little nudge of encouragement. Yeah. I mean, that that's definitely a, a part of it is having that positivity around you, regardless of what situation you're in. If you're taking the exam multiple times or if it's your first time, just keep that positivity going, you know, find a mantra that works for you, you know, write the, the two letters RD or RDN next to your name as a visual, you know, to mm. keep yourself going. Whatever it takes, because trust me, anyone that's listening, that's a dietitian to be, you will take out that to be eventually and, and you'll, you'll celebrate. I don't know if you'll do it with steak and potatoes, but <laughs> however you, yeah, something, however you do, please make sure you celebrate because it is to be celebrated because you're awesome. and You passed. 
Well, I love the concept of your podcast. And, I, and it, honestly, when you think about how you felt that nudge that you needed to do something like this for, this is another nudge in your life that you needed to do this for already eligible people that, I mean, this could be a, a forever thing because I feel like all the concepts that you are talking about, I mean, there's so many of them. This podcast could be go on for years. Is that kind of what you, what's your envision for the future for you and this podcast and helping students? Yeah. So I definitely intend to continue because the response has been so positive and, and students are always coming up with requests because initially when I started the exam, I was going off of what concepts students had asked about when I was teaching. Mm-hmm. And that was going to, I just assumed that was going to be my base. But when I started the show, you know, I started getting messages like, Hey, can you cover this? And uh, can you cover that concept? So I realized, okay, there's a lot of concepts that need breaking down. So I'm going to keep going until they're all broken down, you know? And uh, once this uh, revision happens, I'll, I'll keep going and we'll Have look to. at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll, we'll keep going and we'll, we'll look at it more. And uh, my vision for it is to just for it to continue to be a resource that students can use, particularly, you know, if they're commuting or, or just a different way to absorb material, because, you know, we don't all learn the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, being able to hear it as opposed to seeing it really works for a lot of people. And uh, I intend on providing that. And I also at one point want to start visualizing it and making videos, you know, that go along with uh, the auditory messages that I'm giving out. Because I was hoping you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely the intention, because if you have that combination of audio and video and the material itself, then I think that covers all basis of learning and all basis of cognitive, you know, the ability to to maintain something cognitively and, and that's where it's headed hopefully at some point but that's exciting do you yeah. teach anything like this in your in your job or is it are you teaching just undergraduate nutrition so currently i'm teaching concepts you know like uh undergraduate nutrition i've taught graduates and undergrads but okay. i'm teaching the core classes right now okay. and uh i'm not teaching an rd exam class at this point, but uh, in my job, but at some point, you know, I would love to start offering uh, sessions for students through the podcast because, you know, having that ability to actually get feedback right then and there is imperative, right? For a lot of students, because they'll, they'll come up with a question and they'll be like, Hey, what about this? And you could tell them right away. So that's another sort of, future venue that I see the the show going into is holding classes and holding live sessions for students. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's such a great idea. Again, yeah. I would have loved to have you on, in, <laughs> in the year 2001 when I was trying, when I was sitting with Artie in a flash, like going, I was memorizing, which was bad <laughs> sitting in between working and doing Artie in a flash over my lunch break and stuff like that. So yeah, I remember already in a flash. That was that was a good resource. Yeah, I you know it's so funny. I um I photocopied all of the already in a flash from another <laughs> <laughs> photocopied it. It was <laughs> insane. Yeah, but isn't that funny how 
I did exactly what you are telling people not to do. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it worked for you. Right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it works. Sometimes if you go that route and you memorize, we all learn differently and we all yeah. retain differently. So, hey, you're an RD. Yep, it happened. Thank yeah. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing such awesome work. And uh, hey, it, it, it worked out. You know, it did. It did. But I, I really think and I, I love having I love connecting with students, but I also love connecting with educators that are helping students because you're at the forefront of really propelling our profession to keep it going and to keep people excited about the profession. It sounds like your students absolutely love you and <laughs> hear your little angel voice in their head when they're thinking about <laughs> nutrition concepts. So I, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's honestly just coming from a place of passion, pursuing my passion of nutrition and education. And I think it's a part of this whole sphere of the trajectory of my career at this point, because I love teaching and I love being an educator. I love doing this podcast and helping students with their RD exam. And I have just committed to education in general. You know, I mean, that's why I, I enrolled in a doctorate program, you know, and oh, uh, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I know that on your Instagram, you said that you are doing that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I could talk about that a little bit. So what ended up happening was about three years ago, I had developed a passion for diversity and dietetics, the concept of diversity and dietetics. So I wanted to pursue that topic from a research standpoint. So I was looking at at universities and which universities would have that history with social justice and i found one that would be perfect and their whole emphasis is on social justice and mm -hmm. i knew three years ago that you know i wanted to contribute to the literature regarding the topic so i enrolled in the program and yeah my passion for that is igniting the flame to keep moving forward with the dissertation because it can definitely be an arduous process and uh that's where i'm at right now i'm i'm in the process of writing it and uh, hopefully this time next year, I should be done. Oh, my God. So what's the title of your dissertation? So currently, the, the title is Examining the Stories and Experiences of Dietetic Students of Color in Their Pursuit of Practice. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> There's so many facets to you. It's like, I feel like it's just like an onion. I just, you just keep pulling off <laughs> layers, which is amazing. That's really, so it's probably kind of a working title, I'm sure, but absolutely wonderful. And yeah. that's so appropriate for the time. Like, you know, that's such a hot topic right now in dietetics too. So you're, you were like ahead of the game. <laughs> it was, it was one of those interesting things where, you know, I developed a passion for the topic uh, years ago and now, you know, I love the fact that it's being highlighted mm -hmm. and uh, but, you know, it's been an issue for quite some time and it's a systemic issue and it's been in place for for a finite amount of time. So it's good that, you know, it's getting some recognition and uh, I think we're heading in a, in a positive direction eventually. We'll have to save that for another podcast topic. I would love to talk with you about that as well. Just <laughs> Sounds good. About our profession. It's just interesting. I guess as I get older and wiser, I'm kind of like, huh. Yeah, that seems a little messed up. Huh? Yeah. Um, that's not really cool. Like, yeah. I guess, you know, you don't really pay attention to it when you're in it, like when you're in the fire and then you're like, gosh, this is 
that's a problem. Like you said, it's a systemic problem. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think the conversations are being had now and uh, we're getting more and more research, hopefully. And, uh, you know, and you'll be it, part of that. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely the point for me doing what I'm doing right now. And I want to continue doing that for sure. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I'm excited to continue to follow your journey for sure. Um, you'll have to, you know, keep sharing all the good, good things that you know and the knowledge that you're sharing. But um, if there's any ever anything I can do to help you, I'm here for you because I think you're awesome. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you so much. And likewise, I mean, you're and the awesome. That that <laughs> should be your name. <laughs> That should totally be your name. Teacher like that. I do have to ask you, do you have, um, I feel like you need to have a bowl of fruit on your desk <laughs> at your, your, where you teach like all the time. Do you have that? Do you keep fruit on your, in school? So I did that my first semester. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I, you know what I would do? I, I use that as an example of, you know, how I started the, 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 the class in that, you know, I didn't say the story of my whole kindergarten thing. That was for you specifically. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, because I hadn't thought about that for years. <laughs> Funny. But what I had done was that, you know, I would put the bowl of fruit and I would be like, you know, this represents all the vitamins, minerals you could ever want. And that's why we're here is we're trying to pursue this idea of how do we get this stuff working in, in our bodies, right? Because mm -hmm. it was an introduction to, um, you know, nutrition yeah. course at, at that time and uh yeah so i did use it there but it wasn't quite what the story was that i talked about today that's a podcast exclusive right there gotcha oh i feel i'm privileged that's amazing <laughs> but uh yeah you know so um, another thing was that, you know, I could share some more tips for the exam in case anyone's uh, yeah. uh, wanting to study. So, you know, I mentioned that you, you, know, you should really conceptualize instead of memorize, be able to trace back the why behind concepts. That's super important. There's some stuff that you're going to have to memorize, like calculations or the essential amino acids. But mm -hmm. for the most part, you'll be able to trace back to the material. And uh, make sure you hold on to your textbooks, especially if you're early on, because if you go on the Academy website and download their study outline for the exam, it's free. OK, and it breaks down every subject that's covered on the exam. So I always recommend to students to just go back and go through your textbooks and find that content because it'll be covered in more detail than if you were to get a study guide, you oh, see? Yeah. yeah. So those, those uh, textbooks actually keep, keep holding on to them and don't let them go at least until you're done with the RD exam. Don't sell them. It's don't not worth the 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not worth it. You know, just, just hold on to them and, and they do come in handy. And um, another thing that I always tell students is the more practice questions you take, the better prepared you're going to be especially with how questions are worded and and all the the weird verbs that are used in questions mm -hmm. you'll get much more exposure to it and you'll get more comfortable with it also specifically for the times that we're having now make sure you practice with a mask on oh. because yeah, yeah because that's totally something that you're going to have to do now and 
it can be kind of unpleasant, especially if that's the first time you're putting on a mask and taking the exam. Try to do some preparation beforehand. So that's, that's a really good point, especially if you start hyperventilating when this crazy food <laughs> service question comes up. You're like, I can't breathe. Can, I don't know the answer. <laughs> it is definitely possible. And, you know, they always say that, you know, when you find a question that you don't really know the answer to, take a deep breath and pull off to the side. Well, it's kind of hard to take a deep breath when you're wearing that mask. You got to mm-hmm. you got to find so a rhythm. Yeah. yeah. So definitely something you got to keep in mind. Also, try to teach these concepts to someone, anyone who mm. will listen when you're going through <laughs> the concepts. Anybody. I, I taught these concepts to my mom, my sister, even my dog. All right. Oh my God. We need to have a podcast with them when you were taking your test. Right. That'd be so. Oh, my gosh. I would love to hear their stories. <laughs> So, yeah, that's for sure. Teaching really not only conceptualizes those uh, materials and those the, the content of the exam, but it also makes it so that you're having to explain it to someone else. So that means you should have a good understanding of the concept yourself, right? And it puts pressure on you in, intrinsically to do that. So that's why that's you know something I always recommend too. And um, also, when you sit down for the exam... They give you time to go through a tutorial and they show you how to use the computer and calculator and that stuff, right? So they also provide you with scratch paper. At that time, the exam timer isn't on. So take that time to write down the stuff that you had to memorize, you know, like equations or Mm -hmm. amino acids. So you don't have to waste that precious time when you're taking the exam and the clock's ticking to take that material out of your brain. It's already in a place that's, you know, accessible for you. So, so smart. Yeah, just, you know, little little tricks and tips that you can use to make the the journey not as awful <laughs> as it can be. Right. Well, and then you that know. probably takes a little stress off of you too. Like if you get some of those things out on some scratch paper and do that, then that might help relax you a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's probably the biggest thing is it's easier said than done, but try not to stress too much. Mm-hmm. This, you know, we mentioned it before that it's not a measure of your ability as a dietitian. It's a measure of your ability to pass this exam and not even really your ability. It's more so just pass this thing so we could call you an RD. That's yeah. it. Move on. <laughs> Move on with your life. You'll be fine. <laughs> Well, I thank you so much for all the information, the tips. I definitely will shout this out to every student that is in kind of in that internship, finishing up undergrad mode and just kind of start listening to your podcast and, and get those concepts in the, in your, in their head. Like, Hey, just kind of think of it in a little bit different way. It'll probably ease their transition to the test so much easier, better for them. Yeah. I mean, that'd be amazing. Thank you. And uh, I'm happy and willing to talk with anyone about the exam and, you know, we can work it out. We can figure out a system that works for you and uh, we'll chomp down those concepts. I love it. Well, now that I've asked you all the hard, the easy, those are the easy questions. Now I get the hard questions for you. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 Why don't you share (laughs) with me some of the foods that you enjoy? Wow, you weren't kidding. (laughs) 
That is. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. That's it's hard tough for to us narrow dietitians. Down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's tough to narrow down. So let's see here. Any version of fried chicken. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> like bad fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Like chicken nuggets. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Just fried chicken. Those two words are just so beautiful and they belong <laughs> together. I really want to make every effort to make sure they belong together. So chicken nuggets, chicken tenders, Popeye's hot chicken. Uh, oh, that's good. Right. That's yeah. Na- that's yeah. Stuff. Nashville style chicken sandwiches. They, you know, I know they started in Nashville, but they've made this transition to LA and they're everywhere now. And I love it. Do you, you know? sweat when you eat them? Because I do. I like get the sweats. I have to like have tons of napkins because they're so hot. Oh, yeah. It can totally happen. There's a place here called Howling Rays where they have different spice levels. And I went off the deep end and I went to the spiciest level. And and that was a sweat show. I'm <laughs> telling you right now. <laughs> You're brave. I love it. <laughs> it's it's a It's a test that I happily take as opposed to... <laughs> the test that we've been talking about <laughs> and um you know chicken 65 is also another awesome fried chicken that i i love and that is that in la too no ch- so chicken 65 is actually a south asian dish and oh. uh yeah i and i love mm-hmm, i i love south asian food because i grew up with it so you know it has a special place in my heart and it's it's basically fried chicken pieces and usually chicken breast and the flavors come from red chilies and mm. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And I don't know why it's called Chicken 65. There's a lot of rumors out there that, you know, you have to use 65 day old chickens or there's oh. <laughs> 65 chilies in it. I like to believe my absurd theory that I came up with when I was a kid. And that was that I think whoever invented Chicken 65, they predicted that a Nintendo 64 would come out in the 90s. And it's going to be so awesome that we'll have to give it a tribute by calling our dish Chicken 64. But then they were like, no, wait, it's way better than a Nintendo 64. Let's go one up and call it Chicken 65. That's what I think. That's what I think. It's my theory and I'm sticking to it, Anne. (laughs) Well, that's how I'll think of it now because I won't know any different. So, (laughs) oh, my God. Yum. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very tasty dish. The fried chicken, mm-hmm. fried chicken. Okay. Hey, it, it it sticks together. It's perfect. <laughs> it does. It does. You could have a signature <laughs> dish. Um, yeah. What kind of beverages do you enjoy? Ooh, wow! I'm a hot chocolate man. It's mm. uh, it's it's conditional though. It's conditional because it has to be either lightly raining or cloudy. That's also acceptable, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's unacceptable without whipped cream. That's just it, yeah. I have to have whipped cream with it. Otherwise, it's it, it's, it's a must. Sprinkles. Do you make it yourself? Okay. Well, my sister makes it, and okay. it is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love. You know, just a nice cup of hot chocolate, and it's a nice cloudy or slightly rainy day, and listening to some jazz music. Uh, or, or some, you know, jazzy hip hop, something like that goes perfectly together. Well, I was going to ask you what kind of things you like to listen to. So I'm going to go with hot chocolate and jazz <laughs> is <laughs> at the top of the list. 
Um, that that's pretty up there. But you know, honestly, I love listening to anything '90s. I love '90s music, and um, I love Bollywood music. You know, uh, I listened to it my whole life, and uh, I haven't really stopped. And it's just so hype. You know, it gets me all pumped yes. up and ready to go. It's like so, so positive. It's like such yes. a, a. It is like it just. How can you not smile when you listen to that music? It's just like uh, every. Happy. Every song, it just reminds you of a wedding, you know, you, that wow. you're going to have to go to a wedding and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. So, yeah, that's the stuff I really like listening to in terms of music. But mm-hmm. if if we're talking about what I just like listening to in general, mm-hmm. I think I love the the sound of laughter from a loved one, you know. Mm-hmm. Because they all have their own unique laughs. So my mom, my sister, my brother, my wife, my one-year-old son, they mm. all have these amazing laughs that once you get them out, you're like, oh, I just want to hear that over and over. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> that is such a good thing. That's a really good... Because you like when you just say that, it'll, it takes me instantly to like, I can identify laughs from those humans in my life too. So that's such a good, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most uniquely fingerprinting things you could do for another person is, you know, their laugh and you hear it anywhere. You're like, Oh, that's that person. You know, yeah. even if it's like down the street, you're like, Oh, I can hear them laughing. Jeez. <laughs> so <Yeah. loud. laughs> and it's contagious, you know, it it's like, contagious. yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just a wonderful thing. Um, any scents or smells that you enjoy? Hmm. That's a good question. So I love the smell of rain on the pavement or the sidewalk. Mm, like the and hot pavement? Like when yeah. It's hot. Yeah. It's so good. And I think it's underrated. I think it needs more, <laughs> you know. <It> needs- <laughs> yeah, totally. It needs its own podcast. <laughs> the smell of rain. <laughs> I would listen to it, I bet. <laughs> oh, I would totally listen to it, you know. And uh, uh, let's see what else. Also, um, I love the smell of my one-year-old's hair because, you know, when he's like snuggled up and it doesn't matter, you know, what day it is, what hour it is. If I, you know, am hugging him or holding him, I'll smell that hair and it'll just be like, everything's cool. You know, that's sweet. Yeah. I mean, that honestly, that kid has no idea how much power he has. He really doesn't. (laughs) He could control the world because... No matter what's going on, right? All he has to do is give a little smile or and look in my direction. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever you need, I'm here for you. <laughs> there you go. Like melt like butter, you know? It's a superpower. It's a superpower. And uh, I'm glad that he's not aware of it. But, oh. um, but he yeah, will, he'll probably figure it out pretty soon. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure because he he just turned one a couple Aww. months ago, so he's on his his way <laughs> to figuring it out. You know, what's and, his uh, name? His name is Faze. So um, yeah, yeah. So Faraz Faze, we we keep the is it F spelled with an F. Yeah, 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 like yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, it's 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 a nice little little tradition we're keeping up there. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And Faraz, what brings you joy in life? Wow, what a great question. So I think moving forward brings me joy for sure. The steps you take and 
the steps that you take to accomplish to reach goals gives me joy. Also, establishing relationships is a huge purveyor of joy in my life because honestly, relationships are your real treasures, I think. And you know you're building relationships when you get feedback. You know, like the other day, one of the students said, you're doing God's work, you know, and it made me chuckle. And I realized they're just being very sweet and appreciative. But what I got from that is that, you know, there's been an impact on this person and a relationship has been established and it's entrenched in education and the pursuit of passion. Right. So, you know, establishing relationships is definitely something that brings me joy. And Instagram has been wonderful for that. The one of the most amazing things about it is that, you know, not only am I being able to connect with all these RD to Bs on uh, through the through the podcast and and the platform of social media, but I'm meeting all these dietitians as well. And they follow the page too. And you know, they they tell me that, hey, I like seeing the questions and you know, it reminds me of all those times when I was studying mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, we talked about what my vision is. A big aspect of my vision is that I would love to create a space where these students would have access to these dietitians as well. So that, you know, when they're studying for the exam, they can ask like a real expert, you know, and it's awesome when they both convene on the page and I post a daily question and you hear the the response from both the students and the dietitians. And I would love for that to become like a community where we're both working symbiotically and really giving a platform to these students to learn from real world situations and, you know, the actual uh, real world experiences from dietitians. So yeah, I think relationships for sure give me a lot of joy. Well, I, you are definitely creating some beautiful relationships, I would say, on on Instagram, which isn't that amazing how it's possible to do that on a social media platform. But I think I think you're well on your way, my dear. <laughs> well, it truly is amazing. And, you know, if you want to hear something, I actually wasn't on social media before this. I, Are I you never, serious? Not at all. So, I had a Facebook when I was in my undergrad in college. Then life got in the way and I I just, you know, didn't really utilize it much. And I pretty much stayed off of of social media for the longest time. And then I just recently got back into it and I was like, wow, the world has changed here, huh? (laughs) On and stuff. And, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's really wonderful for this aspect of creating relationships and, and giving a platform to hear all kinds of really cool stuff that's going on out there, you know? And I mean, you are a perfect example of this. I mean, you know, you you established this platform to give voice to dietitians who pursue their passion and, and other health professionals who pursue their passion. It's incredibly admirable, you know, and, and you know, you're moving the profession forward. And I really want to thank you for your efforts and uh, just this wonderful opportunity. Well, thank, we'll be on the same dietitian cheerleading team. Does that sound good? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'll, I'll I'll bring some hot chocolate. <laughs> oh my gosh! And we'll have to like do it on a cloudy, semi rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, I can- hope someday that we can have a Nashville hot chicken sandwich together, though, because that, that would, would be, be awesome. the best thing ever. So hopefully, you and I can meet someday in person. 
that would be wonderful. I uh, <laughs> now, what's your uh, spice level there? Uh, you know what? I when I went to Nashville, that's the first time I had it. Okay, and I got the lowest spice level, and I was sweating and okay. trying to eat pickles and drink milk in between, and it wasn't working. I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so I want to give it another try. So next time, hopefully it's with you and you can teach me your ways. Maybe as I get older too, my taste buds are dwindling. So maybe it'll be easier. <laughs> hey, I, I'm looking forward to it. Let's set it up and maybe we could do a, a live feed of, of oh you know, my gosh, the we experience. Would we would have to do that for sure. We'll tape it. It'll be documented for sure. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for everything today. And I feel so lucky to have had this conversation with you. And I will continue to follow all the great things that you're doing. And yeah, thanks for thanks for this wonderful podcast. Oh, likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. And once again, everything you're doing for the profession, you are amazing. And I can't wait to see the projects and, and future things that you're involved in. And I'll definitely be following as well. I feel Faraz embraces the hell yeah by doing something so rewarding for his profession, by helping future dietitians find success in passing the RD exam. It's a hard exam. And I know I've said this numerous times during our conversation of the podcast, but I would have loved to have him as a resource when I was preparing. I hope if you're ending your undergrad career in dietetics or heading off to your internship, or maybe you're in your internship right now, please subscribe to his podcast, Chomping Down the RD Exam, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can find both of those links in the show notes. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.